This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. No sleep Beastie Boys. I'm not sure Alan Dershowitz loves the Beastie Boys, but he loves Brooklyn. We know that. You know, I think uh, the last time the great constitutional attorney Alan Dershowitz was on, you know, we talked about that sign on the Belt Parkway that was on Welcome Back, Cotter. And uh, it used to read fourth largest city in the world. We passed that sign yesterday. Me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe coming home from football giants training camp from New Jersey. And now it reads how sweet it is which is so stupid. There's That's nothing so to do stupid. with Brooklyn. You even better up with forget about it. I mean, it's insulting forget about it, but it makes more sense. But I did some research. I think Alan said this last time. Brooklyn is now, it's a borough, of course, but it's the third largest city in the world behind New York and L.A. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, here he is. I believe now it is the third largest. Is that right, Alan? Well, in the country, in the country. country but, you yeah. know, from yeah. now on, a little Frank Sinatra for me. Is that, that what you want? Was, you got that it. That was what I grew up with in Brooklyn. I did it my way. New York, New York. You know, those were I know, but, but he's a Hoboken, New Jersey guy. He's a Hoboken guy. Yeah. But I'll tell you, he was an honorary Jew. He was so supportive of Israel. Uh, you know, he started in a film about Israel. He used to raise money for Israel. That was the day when Hollywood people actually supported democracy and the right values instead of today being so anti-israel and often anti-american yeah uh, you're right you're I, right I see it on i see it on chillmark on martha's vineyard which has become infested with hollywood types that uh just are knee-jerk radical woke anti-american anti-israel uh our synagogue our local synagogue on martha's vineyard its featured speaker is Peter Beinart, who doesn't believe that Israel has the right to exist. And I have been banned from speaking at our local <laughs> synagogue. So what do you think I did? I started another synagogue, a Chabad synagogue, uh, on Martha's Vineyard. Now it has more people than the traditional anti-Israel synagogue. Wow. Uh, which yeah. shul does Larry David go to? Uh, he's never. I, he doesn't go to shul, and he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't support. Really, anything, anything Jewish. Right. Uh, you know, he's from Brooklyn, but uh, Brooklyn should not be particularly proud of him. Have you ever walked on the Brooklyn Walk of Fame? Boy, that is a list of people uh, that is unbelievable. How many 
important, prominent, influential, good people have come from Brooklyn is absolutely remarkable. I will not walk on the Brooklyn Hall of Fame, Alan, and don't be angry with me until my name is there. Well, it should be there, without a doubt. I don't know why, why it isn't there. It should be there. People should have the right to step on you the way they step on me. <laughs> Who are some other great Brooklyn names out of there besides you? And you, by the way, deservedly so. Oh, uh, me. Of course, all the great boys of Brooklyn, you know, Carl Farrell and Gil Hodges and those guys. And, 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 and uh, uh, Woody Allen is there and Alan King is there. And Barbara Streisand, uh, you know, lots and lots of them. What about Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond? Oh, of course they're there. Yeah, they yeah. got to be there. Yep. They are yep. fantastic. Yeah. You know, Erasmus Hall High School, I went to high school right next to Erasmus Hall, the same time that Neil Diamond, Barbara Streisand, and Bobby Fischer oh. all went to Erasmus Hall High School. And, of course, <laughs> James Madison's famous for its uh, politicians yes. and court justices. Uh, just a remarkable place to have grown up. Yes, uh, I live two blocks away. That was on. That is on, I should say, Bedford and uh, 24th. I lived on East 22nd in Quentin. My mother and my sisters went to Madison. Uh, this generation, Bernie Sanders, Norm Coleman, Chuck Schumer, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Lincoln High School. My father went to Lincoln, as did yeah. Lou Gossett Jr., Lee Mazzilli, and many other greats. Yeah, my father went to like a place called Fort Hamilton. It was like a trade school. Uh, I don't know if it still exists. And then he went to Torah Vadas Yeshiva, which was one of the first yeshivas in Brooklyn that my grandfather helped to found in Williamsburg. Oh. So nostalgia, Brooklyn, wow. Mm, the I, best, the best. So don't get mad at me, but I, I, I um, well, I did something last week without asking you, but I'm going to, I'm going to admit to it now. So I was talking to somebody very close to the president, and you keep telling me, and I believe you, that the president, who's about to be indicted any second now for the third time, this is the January 6th nonsense, that the president is having a hard time putting together a good legal team because folks who represent the president, including you, end up getting sued and uh, ostracized and all this stuff. So I reached out to one of Trump's people, even though you said to me, I don't make it a habit of representing somebody twice. You see, I listen, I pay attention, Alan. I reached yeah, out and I is. said, even though Dersh said he does not make it a habit of representing somebody twice because his book, Get Trump, is doing so well and Trump's name is in the title, he might make an exception for the president. So my uh -huh. suggestion is call Alan Dershowitz. That was two days ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did he call you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been called repeatedly by people on his behalf. And, look, I give advice on your show and on shows like this. And uh, sometimes they listen to my advice, sometimes they don't. Uh, but I'm hoping they can finally put together a first-rate team. Because whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, every American should be vigorously defended under the Sixth Amendment if they're indicted. And there shouldn't be organizations like the 65 Project which in a McCarthyite way are trying to uh, uh, discourage lawyers, more than discourage lawyers, frighten lawyers into not defending uh, Donald Trump. And so, you know, I'm hoping he puts together a team. I know he has one of your friends already representing him, and Arthur Adala and Imran uh, Ansari would be great people added to his team, people like Ben Bronfman. There are great lawyers around who should be asked to defend them. And, um, you know, I defend the Constitution. I'm happy to say anything that supports the Constitution. And going after him on the, quote, fake electors is violating the Constitution. The Constitution provides 
for a way of challenging elections, not going out on the streets, not breaking into the Capitol. Uh, the way to challenge elections is to come up with an alternate slate of electors. That's what happened with Tilden Hayes. That's what happened with Thomas Jefferson. That's what happened with uh, uh, actually in, in the 1960 election of Kennedy. Uh, there were uh, a slate of alternate electors put forward. So if he gets indicted or if any of the others already have been indicted on the, quote, fake elector scheme, that's going to raise a very, very interesting constitutional question. You know, you mentioned one of my friends represents him, and, of course, you're referring to Joseph Takapina, a friend of mine from our days together in Brooklyn at Poly Prep. We carpooled together 46 years ago, and Artie's a very good friend. In fact, Artie was on uh, two hours ago this morning. Uh, But my wife, Danielle, who you've met, Alan, is a wonderful attorney, Uh great attorney, but she started her career working at Legal Aid. She loved that job. She loved that job. She wanted to help all the folks who couldn't help themselves. And there's a story today that the Legal Aid Society – is looking to sue the city, I guess the mayor of the city, I don't know, because of the lack of housing for the migrants. What's your thought on that? Well, you know, we need to be humanitarian. We need to make sure we take care of everybody that crosses our borders, while at the same time having tough security measures to make sure that we're not endangered. We're a country of immigrants, and uh, many of our best citizens came to this country, most of them legally, During the Holocaust, some of them illegally. My grandfather was so proud of having brought 29 of his relatives from Brno, Czechoslovakia. Uh, He promised that all of them would have jobs. Did all of them really have jobs? I'm not so sure. But they all their (laughs) lives have been saved. And so uh, I'm very sympathetic for immigrants. Yeah, I want to give them housing. I'm not sure the legal aid uh, agency, which both my brother and my son worked for when they graduated law school, I'm not sure that's their first priority, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a humanitarian thing. Uh, Welcome strangers, the Bible says, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So uh, I'm very sympathetic to to immigrants, strangers. uh, But let's have a rule of law. Let's control our borders appropriately and let Congress sit down and finally figure out a way around this mess so we don't have really two systems, one of people who stand on line and the other who break into the line. A young lady in here moments ago, Alan, before you, her name is Jacqueline Tobarov. She wrote a book called Super Moms Activated. She talked to 12 influential moms, one of which is a good friend of mine. You may know the name, Ashra Nomani. 12 profiles of hero moms leading the American revival. And, um, and I talk about this at home all the time, too, that the schools have basically taken away parents' rights. In fact, even Ron DeSantis down in Florida, in an attempt to protect parents, he had that parental act, which the media dubbed the Don't Say Gay Act, and we both know the word gay was never used once, not once, in that bill. Can parents litigate at this point, Alan? Is that realistic? Well, litigation is always the last alternative. It takes forever. It costs a lot of money. But of course, parents have have rights. I remember what, I was a terrible student in high school. I finished, I think, uh, 39th out of 47 in my class, which means eight people had worse records, than me, <laughs> believe it or not. And the principal, Rabbi Zurf, called in my mother and says, what are we going to do with your son? And my mother says, you know what? I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep him. And then, uh, <laughs> so my mother was went to the principal's office so often that my friends thought she worked at the school. Uh, I was a bum in, in high school, and then I went to college, and I finished top of my class at Brooklyn College, top of my class at Yale Law School. 
So uh, maybe it had a little something to do with the school, maybe a little something to do with me growing up by the time I got to college. But I love college. Brooklyn College was my savior. It really, I mean, if not for Brooklyn College, I'd be selling shoes in Brownsville. I think I'd be a good shoe salesman. <laughs> my father was a salesman. Uh, but uh, I would never, uh, when my mother took me to one of these people who advise what to do, and 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 my mother said he wants to be a lawyer, and and she the woman said, Mrs. Dershowitz, don't you understand to be a lawyer you have to go to college, and your son just isn't college material. Wow. Uh, Fifty years teaching at Harvard, I wasn't college material, but uh, wow, um, probably I wasn't college material growing up. All I cared about growing up was basketball, comic books, the Brooklyn Dodgers, flirting, telling jokes. You know that that was my high school. I I hear from Arthur Idella, you didn't have such a stellar high school career either. No. Uh, in fact, when I went to poly prep, they have something called the polyglot, which is the end of the year yearbook, uh, Alan. And, uh, you know, they, they, who's the most likely to succeed, blah, blah, blah. And this is the truth. Uh, either the sixth or the seventh grade, the two people least, least likely to succeed, Sidney Rosenberg and Joseph Takapina. <laughs> well, my yearbook, the first draft, said Alan Dershowitz has a mouth of Webster and a head of clay. <laughs> I like that, too. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, about the, the First Amendment protection, right to oh, privacy, yeah. parenthood. They've got the right to raise their children as they see fit. So if I don't want, for example, some teacher in my kid's class teaching my kid about sex, why isn't that a First Amendment right for me? Well, I think it is a right. Uh, I don't think children uh, at a, below a certain age should be taught more than, you know, some people have two mommies, some people have two daddies. If you see Tommy walking with two mommies, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's okay. But to start to talk about the technicalities of the sexual act and uh, anatomy, I mean, that belongs in high school probably. And and uh, there are many options you have, legislative, judicial um, uh, lawsuits are very, very hard to bring, and you need to have what's called standing, and there needs to be a case in controversy, and uh, money passes hands, and it's very, very hard. So the best way to approach these problems is to go to your political leaders and make sure that they do the right thing oh and make God. sure that the right balance is struck. Oh, my God, there's no hope. <laughs> Alan, if that's the best route we can go, and I know how much I love you, there is no hope. One more, one more. Nobody more pro-Israel than you. I'll never forget the first time I was convinced to go to a rally of any sorts was Dove Hyken and my wife, really. And they convinced yeah. me to meet all you guys at the New York Times building. I got a beautiful picture in my house of me, you, and Dove up there on the I public. remember that. Yes, I remember that. when they drew that cartoon of uh, Netanyahu and Trump. You remember that. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and I was out there very proudly bashing the New York Times and supporting Israel and the Jewish religion. So RFK Jr. comes out, and he's starting to make some headway. He's got a little bit of traction. He's second to Biden. Even some Republicans like him. And then he does what I think was a very, very anti-Semitic remark, and he says, look, Jews, Jews were basically saved through COVID. I found it to be anti-Semitic and, quite frankly, ugly. He swears testimony Capitol Hill. That's not true. I'm not anti-Semite. Now, I'm not saying he's an anti-Semite. People do make jokes. They say things. They shouldn't be labeled. But what he said was certainly anti-Semitic. You agree or disagree? Well, I've known Bobby since he was a, since he was a young man. And he says 
what he thinks, and he often regrets having said it. <laughs> but uh, he's not an anti-Semite. He loves Israel, and he's a strong supporter of, of Jews. And so I give him a pass, and he's apologized for anything he said that could be misunderstood. You like him? i got to run. Okay, go ahead. Go, go, go. Uh, I love you. Hey, it's great to talk to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Alan Dershowitz gives me a lot of time. So, well, thank you to Alan. He's got to run. He's probably got another TV show or radio show to do. Or maybe Trump did just call him. <laughs> yeah, something was ringing. <laughs> <laughs> Big hour coming up. Gordon Chang, Suzanne Miller, Jill Zarin, and Teddy Mellencamp. Fourth and final hour of what's been an amazing Tuesday edition of New York's number one morning news talk show. With my favorite song, Frank Sinatra, The Summer Wind, Sid and Friends on 77 WABC. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me All summer long we sang a song and then we strolled that golden sand Two sweethearts and the summer wind